Today, one of God's choicest vessels is here with us. Christine Kane is about to preach the word. If we keep bringing in Chris Kane to fill the pulpit when I'm gone, y'all are going to send me out on tour 365 because really, this is one of the most anointed preachers that God raised up, I would say, in the last decade. Mm. And uh, of course, those of you who have been around here a long time, you know that she founded A21, an anti human trafficking organization. Not just limited to that work, but most known for that work. We've been partners with Chris and her husband, Nick, and A21 for years and years and years. And uh, today, actually, Chris and Nick, I didn't tell you this yet, but on behalf of the generous people of Elevation Church, as we get ready for our year-end giving season that we're coming upon soon, we want to give A21 a gift of $100,000 to stand with you for the amazing things you're doing in the world. That's that's because of these amazing people. That's because of you, church. So thank you. Thank you for all you do. Thank you, Chris, for all you do. Thank you for being here today. Get on your feet. I think you're on your feet right now, but, you know, jump up even higher. Stand on your (laughs) tiptoes and help me welcome Christine Kane as she brings the word. We love you, Chris. Let's go. What an honor to be here. Thank you, Pastor Stephen and Holly and all of our EFAM. On behalf of Nick and I, because I do have the single most ravishing piece of masculine flesh right here on the front row. And the whole crew, we've got our A21 Charlotte team here. We want to thank your church for your generosity and partnership in the gospel. You know, the money you have been partnering with us almost from the outset and such a key partner, Pastor Stephen and Holly and the whole church so generous. And I want you to know that during this season, um, we have seen an unbelievable amount of rescues and convictions of traffickers. And just in the last couple of weeks, an entire container load of people were rescued in Cambodia. An entire container load. Wrap your head around that. So I want you to know that your giving is going to good soil and we so appreciate it. People are being reached. People are being rescued. People are being restored. Traffickers are going to jail. I want to say thank you. Elevation. Thank you to our EFAM. And... I am so excited. That new song, you're, I'm about to do laps around this building. I got, I, like, I, if you've got a, a pulse, that, that would raise the dead, that song. That's all I'm saying. I, I um, cannot wait for that too. Chandler, I don't know where you are and the team probably behind me somewhere, but it was, it is just like unbelievable. We need to get that out in the atmosphere. I want to thank you, Nick and I so love your pastors. I am part of EFAM. EFAM, it's nice to be on this side because I am literally on the other side every week because the good thing is I live on the West Coast. So Pastor Stephen's preaching at 9.30 and it's only 6.30 a.m. and I'm not in a pulpit till 10 a.m. So I've got enough time to get a sermon down and then preach it. So it's fantastic to do that. But I do actually... Every single week, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm part of our EFAM. I'm your cray-cray Aussie aunt. How many know you need a cray-cray Aussie aunt? Everyone needs one. And so, and Pastor Holly, I mean, I'm texting her. I've just done like 14 countries in the last um, 15 or 16 weeks. I think we've just done a lap of the globe. And um, I'm texting her from every place going, give me a book. Do you know your pastor? She's an obsessive reader. Like next level reader. And so, um, but I give her a run for her money because I read faster than her. So you can all tell her that. And so she recommends all the best books in the world to me. So I just want you to know that we really are family. I believe I've got a word from the Lord. 
Um, today, how many are ready to hear God's Word? I am. You can be seated. Thank you to the worship team for taking us into the presence of God. I have missed you all. And um, I have missed you. I can't even explain how much. I feel so home away from home here. We're going to go to Luke chapter 17, to the Gospel of Luke. I've been so excited to be with you all. I almost can't contain myself. Luke 17, verse 20. Scripture says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. No one will say, see here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he told the disciples, the days are coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you won't see it. They will say to you, see there or see here, don't follow or run after them. For as the lightning flashes from horizon to horizon and lights up the sky, so the Son of Man will be in his day. But first, everyone say, but first. I love that. It just sounds so American, but first. First. For our EFAM, I want you to say first, mate. First. Everyone say first. Now you're learning how to speak like an Aussie. It's fantastic. But first. It is necessary that he suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating, drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It will be the same as it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But on the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. I bet you are so glad you came to church today. I bet everyone's like, where are we going? We have got Noah, we've got a flood. We're now into Sodom and Gomorrah. Where is she going on this Sunday? It will be like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a man on the housetop whose belongings are in the house must not come down to get them. Likewise, the man who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you on that night, two will be in one bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. And I tell Nick often, I am not gonna be the one that's gonna be left behind. Just putting it out there, just putting it out there. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked him. He said to them, where the corpse is, they're also the vultures will be gathered. This is the word of the Lord. And I bet you are so pumped up. You're like, Chris, we haven't seen you for a little while. What do they put in the water over there in the California? I am so fired up. I'm going to be in San Diego with Elevation Nights on Wednesday night. I mean, you are just packing stadiums and arenas around the country, putting praise and worship into the atmosphere. Stop getting me sidetracked, but I cannot wait. That's all I'm saying. And so I hope anyone that's on the West Coast is going to join us this week. It's going to be powerful. We're going to be San Diego and LA. But anyway, I'm getting back to the text right now. So here Jesus is having a discussion about the end times. I mean, this is, a, this is a big word, eschatological discourse. I had to practice that. Say that three times, you'll be speaking in tongues, even if you're a cessationist right there. And so he is having an end time, a discussion about the end times. And I mean, it's pretty intense. He's talking about the kingdom of God being realized in the fact that Jesus is here. Jesus came, the kingdom of God came, but it's not fully realized yet, which of course we're aware of. There's war and there's famine and there's 
crime and there's violence and there's pain and there's loss and there's death and there's grief and there's suffering and there's heartache and, and, and there is so much going on. So we know that the kingdom is not fully realized. It will be one day when that sky splits and Jesus comes back. And this text is reminding us that when that sky splits and Jesus returns, nobody is going to be sitting around wondering, going, oh, did he come? You know, some people are going to go, are we going to know? I'm like, sweetheart, you'll know. And so it's, it, it, the sky's going to light up. It's all going to happen. And I mean, he's talking about the already and not yet. That's what it would be called. The already, the kingdom's realised in Christ, but not yet fully until it comes together. And I mean, it gets intense. He's talking and he, about Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah and the end times. And here I'm just going to give you a disclaimer. Up front, I basically don't have a clue what he's talking about. And anybody that will tell you that they do is lying. Some of you are freaking out because I'm about to save you a lot of hours down rabbit trails on Facebook. I'm about to set you free right now because right now one would be thinking, is this text written for today? We've had a, since I've seen you last, a few things have happened on the earth. There has been quite a few things that have gone on. We've gone through a global pandemic together, except for if you're in Florida or Dallas, but all the rest of the EFAM around the world, the rest of us, actually, we've had a, a global pandemic and we've had so much pain and political instability and social instability and moral instability and the whole world, have you noticed, has lost its mind. It's gone cray cray. A lot's happened since I was here last. And you could think, wow, Christine's now turned up. Is she going to pull out like some charts? Like, you know, when I got saved in the late 80s, it was all about, we had charts and we, you know, were talking about the end times and it seemed like it was the end and it's kind of like, but listen, this is what Jesus says. This is exactly what he says about it all. Ultimately, he says, nobody knows the day or the hour. I just got you back four hours in your day of rabbit trails. Because everyone's trying to predict everything. And Jesus said, look, peace out. It's all right. Nobody knows. Live like it's going to happen tomorrow and live and prepare like it's not going to happen for generations. And you can do both things simultaneously. It's not, it's not that hard. But you would think, do you remember like during, during the pandemic, like there was that season, it was like natural disasters and then there was locusts. And then I'm like, are we in the 10 plagues of Egypt? Like what is going on? So it would be easy, but I'm not here to talk about that. What I'm here to talk about is in the midst of this discourse about the end times, in the midst of talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and Noah and all the end and Jesus returning and it sounds so much like 2022. You're like, what is going on? Everything's going cray cray. Jesus drops three random, apparently random words in the middle of this discourse. I mean, it's just right there. In Luke 17, 32, as Jesus is talking about all of this great end time stuff, he just drops in like, remember Lot's wife. I'm like, okay, okay, remember Lot's wife. The second shortest verse in the entire scripture. Do you know what the shortest verse is? You are such a well-taught church. I knew Pastor Stephen takes you deep into the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic. The second shortest verse In the scripture, you're going to get that on Bible trivia now, is remember Lot's wife. What a random thing to throw in the midst of a discourse about the end times. To throw in the midst of a discourse about the already but not yet nature of the kingdom of God, which most of us have awakened to at a whole new level over the last 
three or four years. He says, remember Lot's wife. And I'm like, okay. I've been doing chicks ministry for like a hundred, I've been doing chicks ministry for, you know, 30 years. I've had a lot of sermons on chicks. I don't remember ever hearing one about Lot's wife. I mean, there's 170 women mentioned in some way in Scripture, 170. And yet there is only one woman in the Gospels that Jesus Christ ever tells us to remember. Only one. There's not a lot of real estate in the red letters of Jesus. So three words that he gives over to that remember Lot's wife in the midst of an eschatological discourse, in the midst of talking about the already but not yet nature of the kingdom of God, he drops in three words, remember Lot's wife. I would wonder whether in 2022, it would be a good time to remember the one woman that Jesus told us to remember out of 170 women. Remember Lot's wife. Now listen, if I was one of the other 170 chicks, I'd be a little bit annoyed. I mean, literally, if I was like Eve, I'd be going, what do you mean, remember Lot's wife? I was first. I came out of a rib and I've been blamed for all of humanity's problems ever since. (laughs) I mean, if I was, imagine if I was Sarah, I'd be like, I popped out a kid at 90 without an epidural. What do you mean, remember Lot's wife? If I was like Miriam, I'd be like the first chick worship leader ever. She comes out of Egypt. I mean, out of slavery, out of bondage, the Red Sea parts. She's like, hang on a minute, hold the Red Sea. I've got to grab a tambourine. She gra- Who grabs a tambourine when you're coming out of slavery knowing you're going to have a dance party on the other side of the Red Sea? But Miriam, be like, what do you mean? If I was Deborah, be like, what do you mean, Lot's wife? Hi, Deborah. Arose. I was the first female judge in all of Israel. Of course, we know it's because no man stood to the. I won't go there, but anyway, so we know. I, <laughs> Deborah Rose, or Mary. Mary be like, I popped you out in a manger. I mean, he didn't even say to remember his mother. A lot of people would be very annoyed with that. He said, remember Lot's wife. So of course that then sent me on a little, a little exposition on, okay, what is it that we know about this woman that appears on the pages of Scripture just quick enough to disappear? A, a woman that we don't even know her name. I mean, Lot's wife, how politically incorrect in 2022. <laughs> like, you're not going to get off very well. Lot's wife. So we know in Genesis 13, you remember when Abram and Lot separated because they just had, you know, there was too many um, animals and the herds were too big. So in the midst of all that, we know in Genesis 13 that they separated in Genesis 13, 12 to 13, Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. So we know that Abram and Lot separated. Lot set up camp right on the edge there in Sodom. And then because of the iniquity, the Lord decides by chapter Genesis 18 that, that you know what? He's gonna deal with it. He's done with Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, a lot of us, especially in the ch- if you've been around the church world, and then even if you've been just out in the world, you kind of go, Sodom and Gomorrah. And instantly you start thinking, man, 
the sexual immoral sins. That's why God, you know, destroyed it all. And of course, the sexual immoral sin that you think is the worst is the one that you're not committing. But anyway, for everybody else, we, we just choose. The one that we're doing is okay with God, but the, for the, everybody else's one. And so we get so caught up in that, but that is true. And also, there is an aspect of the sin of Sodom that most of us in the church have forgotten, but is very important to God. And you'll see in right there in Genesis chapter, uh, sorry, I'm gonna go to Ezekiel 16, 49 to 50. I want you to see this. Now, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. This is from the scripture. She and her daughters had pride, plenty of food, comfortable security, but didn't support the poor and the needy. In the next verse, we'll get to the immorality, but I do want you to see what the Scripture says in the prophet Ezekiel says, this was the sin. I I wonder with the reckoning that's been happening over the last couple of years, and we've seen God clean inside the house and outside the house, there's a reckoning happening. Whether in some places the church just got a little bit too prideful, a little bit too comfortable, a little bit too plenty. This is why I love this house. I mean, your pastors barely introduced me and said, before Christine even comes, we're, we're giving to the work of the poor and the needy and the marginalised and those that are enslaved and those that are dispossessed. And you do this in Love Week and you do that with your end of you giving every single time. Because it matters to God. It matters to God. Do you wonder, we don't wonder too long why there's such the blessing of God on this house. Why the Lord... It's taking you around the world and your, your worship to a whole nother level. And of course, your pastor's preaching probably in the world more people listen to him because you have a holistic faith that honours Jesus, honours the Word, reaches the world, cares about the poor and the needy, doesn't just get so comfortable, understands we are blessed to be a blessing, understands that we are called to be salt and light in the midst of a broken world. But the sin of Sodom was that they had forgotten that. And then of course it goes on and says, they were haughty and did detestable acts before me. And so I removed them when I saw this. So then in Genesis 19, the Lord sends the angel of the Lord to come and rescue Lot and his wife and their two daughters. And so literally an angel comes and takes them by the hand. You know the story. I mean, they were literally touched by an angel. And so the angel comes and takes them by the hand and leads them out. And this is the only instruction that the Lord gives in verse 17. And as they brought them out, escape for your life. One said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. And this is the only thing We see specifically about Lot's wife in Scripture. Remember in the New Testament, Jesus said, one woman out of 170, there's only one I want you to remember. When the world is burning, when everything seems to be going cray-cray, aka 2022, when it all seems like everything is crazy, I need you to remember Lot's wife. So we go, Jesus, what is it about Lot's wife that we're to remember? So we go then and the only thing we see in Scripture in Genesis 19 about Lot's wife, it says in verse 26, but Lot's wife behind him looked back and became a pillar of salt. That's all we know. Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. 
She became a pillar of salt because she was torn between where God was taking her and what she was leaving. She was prioritising her past over her future. She had lost sight of the fact that the promise of God, the provision of God, the purpose of God was ahead. And so she got stuck in a place she was only meant to be passing through. She was being pulled back by what she was leaving more than she was pressing on to where God was taking her. And she got stuck, calcified turned into a pillar of salt. And you and I are called to be the salt of the earth. And right now on the earth, the church of Jesus Christ in many places is stuck, stuck. And the purpose of God is ahead. The provision of God is ahead. The promise of God is ahead. But we are stuck looking back instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus ahead to move into the promise and the purpose and the provision of God. It's time for us to remember Lot's wife and to stop looking back because for many people, our attachment to the past outweighs our commitment to the future. And a generation is at stake. And it is amazing as I travel and I've just done 14 nations and I hear so many people talking about Christine. You know, if we could just go back, if we could just go back, I could talk to pastors and leaders and individuals in businesses and and people in relationships and many things could just go back to normal. If we could just go back to pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic. I'm like, why are we talking about 2019? Why are you giving me numbers from 2019? This is not 2019. This is 2022. And Jesus is in 2022 and 2023 and 2024 and 2025 and 2026. The purpose of God is ahead of us. All the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen. His promise is still ahead. And the same Jesus that brought us here is the same Jesus that's going to take us there, but we've got to stop looking back. There are people in this room, there's eFamily online, and we're stuck, absolutely stuck, going, man, I, 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 just, I just want things to go back to normal. Listen, I am not denying. I am not dismissing. I am in no way minimising the pain, the trauma, the loss, the grief, or the suffering over the last few years in every realm, personally, economically, relationally, politically, environmentally, sociologically, morally, there is not one sector of society spiritually that has not been impacted. But if you and I are going to do what God has put us on this earth to do, then we've got to stop looking back and we've got to start looking forward and start pressing into the purpose and the promise of God. You know, people are stuck. People are stuck in disappointment, stuck in discouragement, stuck in offence, stuck in bitterness, stuck in unforgiveness, stuck in disillusionment, stuck fixated on what went wrong on the past, fixated on what we lost in the past, fixated on who betrayed us, who disappointed us, who hurt us, what didn't happen. 
fixated on something we're supposed to face and move on from. And when you fixate instead of face, you get stuck. And so many of us in this hour, the word of the Lord would be, you need to start remembering Lot's wife. Because she got stuck. And, and, and it's little wonder. I mean, her life was back there. She had other family back there. She had her friends back there. I mean, who knows? I don't know. Did she just renovate her kitchen? I don't know. <laughs> so would there, I mean, imagine just one day an angel of the Lord comes and out we go. And that's literally what happened to most of us. Overnight. Overnight, things shut down. Overnight, things changed. Overnight, things blew up. And the angel of the Lord, the presence of God, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. His presence was with us. And the issue is, did we let go of the hand of Jesus so that we could keep facing back and fixate on what was back there? And we're in 2022, but everything about us is still back. And we are stuck in a place that we were only supposed to be moving through because God's presence is still with us. I sometimes wonder how Jesus feels during all of this because he's like, I didn't go anywhere. You know what I've become during this last two or three years? I've become like what I call a, a hallmark Pinterest Christian. See, I used to like roll my eyes at those pithy little statements, you know, with nice little flowers and colours. And I used to kind of want something deep in the Hebrew and something deep in the, you know, nowadays I'm like when I just see, you know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. I'm like, thank you, God, because nothing else is the same. I'm so glad Jesus is the same. Or, you know, I will never leave you or nor forsake you. I'm like, thank you, God, because everybody else has bailed. And those little pithy statements suddenly become life. And suddenly you go, that's the stuff that actually really matters. That's the stuff that sustains you. That's the stuff that keeps you going. And and I wonder, so many people, Chris, you know, I just, I I didn't sign up for this. I'm like, what did you sign up for? (laughs) Last I checked, Jesus died for me. I didn't die for him. Last I checked that I was supposed to deny myself, take up my cross and follow Him. I decided that I will follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. But see, I'm old school because I'm so old that when I got saved, I was mentored and schooled by Christian martyrs and missionaries, not celebrities. So when I gave my life to Jesus, I thought I was laying down my life. So if just the last few years has caused us to waver, I don't know where we've been because yes, we've had a bit of a tribulation, but it's not the great tribulation. What are we gonna do when the great tribulation comes if that's all it took for us to lose hope? So many of us are like, you know, in Luke chapter 24, where the two disciples are going back to Emmaus, back Because Jesus, they saw him crucified and buried, but they didn't know that he rose again. And they thought that he was the Messiah and they were so disappointed. They were so discouraged. They were so disillusioned. And then Jesus came and was physically walking with them, God incarnate, walking with them. But they were so obsessed and they were so downcast and so overwhelmed by their disappointment and their disillusionment that the God of the universe was walking with them and they didn't even recognise him. And they said, we had hoped he was the one. And so many of us, we had hoped that business was gonna succeed. Man, we had hoped that person 
wasn't gonna die. We had hoped that marriage was gonna make it. We had hoped that kid was gonna start following the Lord. We had hoped that that promotion was gonna come. We had hoped that that opportunity. And because our hopes didn't come to pass, we're sitting here in 2022 going, I'm just so disappointed. I'm just so offended. Now we won't add the last bit, but if we were honest and not fake Christians, we'd say, disappointed with God that He didn't do what I wanted. Disappointed and offended with God because He didn't come through. And Jesus is standing right with us going, I'm right here. We we, we had hoped, I wonder if the last couple of years has actually served to make us, because it hasn't shocked God, God's God. I wonder if it has helped us to realise where perhaps we had some misplaced hopes in our life. I wonder whether if we're stuck in disappointment and stuck in unforgiveness and stuck in offence and stuck in disillusionment and stuck in discouragement and stuck in comfort and stuck in apathy and stuck in indifference and stuck in this place, is it because we have a misplaced hope? Because Hebrews 6 says that Jesus is this hope we have as an anchor for our soul, both firm and secure. Yes, are we living in a world with war and with trauma and with pandemics and with pain and political instability and suffering? Yes, but my hope was never meant to be in that. Jesus is this hope we have as an anchor for our soul, both firm and secure. And then the writer to the Hebrews says, do not throw away. Your confidence in this hope, for it has great rewards. Let us not lose the confession of our hope. Let us hold on to it, in fact, without wavering. I wonder how much wavering there's been over the last couple of years. Because the minute we lost the thing that we thought we needed, we just tapped out. It's just too hard. We had hoped. Man, we had hoped and got stuck. You know, if Jesus is this anchor and all that we've seen in this season is, is Jesus truly the anchor of your life? Because then your hope doesn't waver even when everything in the world wavers and everything in the world is wavering. (laughs) Everything in the world is wavering. But if you're anchored, you know, I remember my husband loves boating and one of the first times we went out you know, I believe the purpose of boats is for sunbaking. It's the will of God in Christ Jesus for us to sunbake. And so I was um, out there and, and Nick was disturbing my sunbaking because he parked the boat in the anchorage and he's like, Chris, can you throw the anchor out? And I'm like, how? Just, this is bugging me. Okay. And so I go down. Yes, 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 honey. And so I, I threw the anchor out and then I went back to sunbaking. And then about 30 minutes later, we kind of hit this other boat in the anchorage and Nick's like freaking out, Christine, Christine, I told you to throw the anchor out. I go, I did. He says, yes, but did you make sure we were anchored? Oh, well, you didn't tell me that. You said, throw it out. (laughs) And I think what some of us have realised over these last couple of years is that our anchor, because our anchor isn't going to fail. Our anchor doesn't actually go down to the seabed. Our anchor goes into the other side of eternity and is secure up there in eternity. But some of us have wavered and started drifting and gotten stuck. And you know, an anchor, when it's attached to a boat, it's got little links in a chain. 
Some of us have discovered that maybe some of those links are a bit rusty. Or maybe we've been disconnected because the anchor will hold, but are we holding the anchor? And if you and I are gonna go forward and not turn into a pillar of salt and be the salt and light on the earth that we have been called to live because God chooses in the book of Acts, it says the times and the seasons and the places that He puts us in. So He knew exactly what would be happening in the world in 2022 and 2023. And you know what? You and I are not His plan B, we're His plan A. We are a product of eternity, not a product of time. God has plucked us out of eternity. He has positioned us in time. He's given us gifts and talents for the purpose of serving our generation. This is not a time for the church to get stuck. This is a time to remember Lot's wife and to move on and to press on into the purpose and the promise and the provision of God in the future. But you've got to stay connected to the anchor that will keep us stabilised in a very unstable world. Jesus is this hope we have. So how do you know? You know, in the writer to the Hebrews, he wrote this to the Jewish Christians that were facing such persecution like real persecution, not like the kind of persecution we think. You know, we, we, we call here in the West an inconvenience of persecution, but that's another sermon. And so they were like really losing their lives and losing their jobs and their families and their assets, everything for being Jesus followers. So they were like, you know what? It would just be easier to go back to Judaism, be much easier because we'll be accepted by culture. We'll have opportunities again. It, it, it would just be a lot easier because it's just really, really hard. So the writer to the Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians that are, that are just drifting, that are wavering, that are just going back like, like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They were going back because you know what? When you start wavering, when you get stuck, when you lose sight of your hope, you'll go back to the thing that you came from. And you're wondering why so many people are going back to Emmaus because if you're not moving forward with Jesus, you will go back to what you came from. You just go back. It's just the way that it is. So the writer to the Hebrews is writing to the Jewish Christians in Hebrews chapter two. And he says, for this reason, he's just talked about the supremacy of Christ. He's just talked about the sufficiency of Christ. He's reminding them Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the angels. He's reminding them of the greatness of Jesus. And I've come to elevation to remind you of the greatness of Jesus because He is better than anything that you left. Because He is better than anything else that you can see, touch, taste, smell or feel on this earth. Because He is supreme over the angels, over the law, over the prophets, over Moses. He is supreme and says, therefore, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so we will not drift away. We must pay extra attention in the Greek. That phrase is perisoteros prosochin. And why do I know? Because I know a little Greek. I'm little and Greek. And so it says... But my mother used to say that to me when we came to a, a, a big freeway that was busy. Christina, be extra careful. And I would say the Holy Spirit is saying to His church right now, hey, extra careful. Be careful lest we also drift. My dad would take us to this beach that had this big undertow in Australia. And he'd always put a big beach umbrella on one side and towels on the other side of the sand. And he'd say, kids, when you go out there swimming, I need you to check those markers really often because you're gonna be having so much fun out there and you're not gonna realise the undertow is gonna take you out. So 
regularly check your markers and he would always say, because kids, never forget, the only thing you have to do to drift is nothing. And while many of us right now have got so many misplaced hopes, we're just like doing nothing. It's too much hard work to pray. Too much hard work to read my Bible. Too much hard work to come to church. It's very quiet in this Presbyterian church right now. You're, you're all in the room. And so, <laughs> it's too much hard work. But I'm here to remind you, all you have to do to drift is not commit some great sin, just do nothing. Just do nothing. And all of a sudden you go, why am I stuck? Why is it 2022 and I don't feel anything fresh in my relationship with Jesus? Why am I stuck and I don't feel like I've gone anywhere and I'm just on a treadmill? Why am I stuck? Because inadvertently you're drifting because you're doing nothing. And we got good at doing nothing, didn't we? I mean, it's hard work putting on hard pants nowadays. We just like our sweats. 2020 changed our fashion for life. It's like, oh, who wants to get up and do something? What do you mean do something for the Lord? What do you mean fulfill the mission of God? What do you mean move forward? And we're stuck. We're stuck spiritually. We're stuck emotionally. We're stuck physically. We're stuck relationally because we do not. How do you know? Well, what might be some signs in this day? That, that you might be drifting. I don't know. You go like, what, well, how do I know if I'm stuck, if I'm drifting, if I've lost sight of my hope, Jesus? Well, well, maybe here's just a few things. Pretend we're connected to an anchor and we're checking the links in the chain. Maybe you know that you're, you're drifting if a blue check mark matters more to you than a heart checkup. Oh, it's, it's so, we're obsessed, man. If I could just be verified by man, it doesn't matter that, that God validated me 2,000 years ago at Calvary. Oh, 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 oh if I'm just verified... If it's more important for you to be known than to make Jesus known. If it's more important for you to have likes than to become like Jesus. If you care more about how many are following you than how many are not following Jesus, just maybe you've drifted. Just maybe. And lost our source of hope when my will becomes more important than God's will. When I just... I'm so encouraged and the whole world's like, you, you wonder why we're stuck? We're stuck because we're seeking our own will. Because we just, and then, then, then we just have all these misplaced hopes because we think, God, you didn't come through for me. And he's like, I never really promised you that. I said, all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes, and in Christ Jesus, amen. Not all of everything that you want, not your selfish ambition, but the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes, and in Christ Jesus, Amen. In Luke 22, remember Jesus, and when He was in Gethsemane, even God Himself had a moment where He said, I don't wanna do this, but nevertheless, is there any other way? Would you take this cup from me? When was the last time that you thought, oh, everything in me wants to jump into bed with that person that's not my spouse, but nevertheless. Everything in me wants to watch that, but nevertheless. And then we wonder why we're stuck. It's so amazing to me where we've lost sight of our source of hope. It was never in other things. It was always in Jesus. And He hasn't gone anywhere. I know we've had a pandemic, but Jesus is still here. I know we've had political instability, but Jesus is still here. I know we've got inflation, but Jesus is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. All the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen. 
Maybe you've drifted when, you know, you care a whole lot more about everyone else's business than you do about the father's business. We've got a whole industry on that. We're wondering why people are stuck. Because everyone knows everything about everyone else's business and has an opinion about it. It is amazing. Do you remember that in Luke where Mary lost God for a few days? Do you remember that when Jesus was a boy and she like lost him for three days? For every mother on EFAM watching this, every mother in the room, that just sets us all free because we've all forgotten our kid sometime at school, in the supermarket, somewhere. But not like Mary lost God for three days. I mean, that's awesome. And then when she comes to the temple and finds him, now I tell my kids, never do what Jesus did in this instance. You're to follow Jesus in every way, but not this, because he says to a woman, I'm like, do not try this at home. (laughs) He says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I must be about the Father's business? Oh, we are so distracted and stuck in everybody else's business. We've forgotten to be about the Father's business on this earth and to do what God has called us to do. You know, maybe you're stuck and drifting when you talk about it to everyone else more than you pray about it to God, when you post more than you pray. Your source of hope is no longer Jesus. Because man, I just hope someone hears my something. And I am trying to get from people what I can only get from God and I wonder why I'm stuck. And so we, I could go on and on, but we're stuck in so many different ways. We're stuck in our attitudes. We're stuck in where we're looking for affirmation, where we're looking for significance, where we're looking for security, where we're looking for this sense of value, where we're looking for this self-actualization. I mean, they're gonna build some, dig up a time capsule sometime in the future and go, what was the most common phrase in 2022? And I don't know, it'll have this thing like, you do you boo. (laughs) And they're gonna need the interpretation of tongues. And then they're going to need to go, no, don't do you boo. I feel like running around going, no, 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 don't do you boo, do Jesus boo. It doesn't go well. Do you remember in the book of Judges when everyone did what was right in their own eyes? It never goes well. We get stuck, stuck. Remember Lot's wife, stuck because we lose sight of our source of hope. He hasn't gone anywhere. So what do we need to do as we move forward, church? Because see, you have to know your source of hope if you and I are gonna keep moving forward and fulfill the will and the purpose of God. We were not finished, Elevation Church. Our greatest days are ahead of us and not behind us. There are more people to reach. There are more people to be saved, more people to be delivered, more people to be healed, more marriages to be restored, more relationships to be reconciled. We cannot stop here. We cannot look back. We've got to press on and lay a hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus has laid a hold of us. But that is entirely countercultural in this moment. Because everyone wants you to stay stuck in your offence. Stuck in bitterness, stuck in unforgiveness. And what's at stake is a generation in the future. That's what's at stake. Stay stuck in your mistakes and stuck in your failures as if you can't move on and into the promises of God. The whole narrative of this generation is stay stuck. And yet everything about the kingdom is moving forward towards God's grand telos. So we can't get stuck. Jesus is in the middle when the world is burning down and the bank can come up. While the world's burning, 
Jesus is like, could you remember Lot's wife? Don't look back. Don't even look back at your great success days. We glance back and thank God for them. But like some of you are still talking about your trophy from high school football. That was 40 years ago. And you've been stuck ever since. We don't wanna become that as a church. We don't wanna be talking about what God did. What we used to sing, what we used to, no, 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 our greatest days are ahead. We can't look back. We've gotta press on. We've gotta move forward. And the only way we're gonna do that going into this season is that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, all our EFAM around the world, we've gotta remember what our source of hope is so that when trials come, because they will, Jesus said, when trials do come, you will have in this world trials. Peter says, do not be surprised by the fiery trial. I feel like telling half the Christians, like, why were you surprised? Don't you read the Bible? Obviously not. I mean, James was, consider it pure joy. I'm like, you consider it joy, but anyway, that's whatever. Is that we have to know where our source of hope is because that hope is limitless. In a world that is hopeless, in a world that is gripped with fear, in a world that is gripped with animosity, with divisiveness, with chaos. We Christians have to have this sense of hope, but it only comes in Christ. That's what we've learned. It's not gonna come in money, position, title, accolades. No, 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 we've seen all of that the last few years. Anywhere we had misplaced hope, Jesus is like, how about a hope realignment? Because I'm about the only one that you could be sure of. And so... The very first staff meeting we had on Zoom, so we're in March 2023, 2020, I'm already prophetically into next year. And so we're in March 2020. And no one knew it was like week one of the pandemic. So nobody knew. So we would meet like everybody else. We've got at A21, 19 offices in 15 countries. So we had everyone on Zoom. And for the last two years, I've been calling it the upper Zoom room. And so we've been meeting in the upper Zoom room. And um, all of us were on lockdown. I, I live in California. So again, unless you were in, you know, Texas or Florida, the rest of all of our country offices were on lockdown. And so I said to them, we, we're prisoners of sorts right now, but we can't, we, we can't change that. We can't change that. We're all prisoners. We're all on lockdown around the world. I said, but although we can't choose the fact of whether we're prisoners or not, we can choose the kind of prisoners that we're going to be. And in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12, the prophet says, return to a stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Today I have declared that I will restore to you double. And, um, and what happened was the children of Israel were in bondage and they were in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And they came back and they thought Jerusalem and the temple, they were coming back, man, things are going to be back to normal. Except it wasn't. The city was decimated. The temple was in ruins. The city walls were in ruins and they were surrounded by enemies. And the prophet said to them, you were once prisoners in Babylon. Now you've gone back and there's a big rebuilding project that has to happen in Jerusalem. But you need to become prisoners of hope. So he says, return to your stronghold, Jesus, you prisoners of hope. And I said, oh, 
We're making a decision in this ministry. We're not going to be prisoners of despair or prisoners of fear or prisoners of doubt or prisoners of negativity or prisoners of unbelief, but we are going to be prisoners of hope. Why? Because Jesus is this hope we have as an anchor for our soul, both firm and secure. And He hasn't gone anywhere. He said He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He said all of the promises of God are in Him, in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen. Yes, we've got a pandemic. Yes, we've got political instability. Yes, we've got a lot of problems morally and sociologically and environmentally. But Jesus is this hope I have as an anchor for my soul, both firm and secure. And then I made them all write down and I said to them, The prophet said, and I will restore to you double. Now listen, during a pandemic and during there's a war, we had to evacuate our Ukraine office and move them to Warsaw. Of course, just the women and children. Some of those kids haven't seen their dad for a year. They're still over in Kiev and we had to evacuate that office. And in the midst of it all, we said to them, I said, I need you to get a pen and paper. Of course, they were millennials on my staff, so they didn't know what that one was. So I had to show them, this is a pen and paper. And I said, I want you to write on that piece of paper, the word double. I said, I don't know how this is going to happen. I said, but in a sense, I'm glad this has happened because you guys are about to realise how much you've been writing in the slipstream of mine and Nick's faith. I said, you, you think, I said, you're about to learn that it's not a, a blue check mark or a cute Instagram post with a nice filter that's got the anointing on it. See, I said, before before there was ever any internet or before there was ever any, um, you know, um, social media or before there was any marketing plan, I said, I don't know. See, I know what it is to be marked by God and I know what it's like to go into the prayer closet and to lay a hold of God and the promises of God and the purposes of God and the provision of God. I said, but some of you, you think that, you know, marketing does all of this. I said, you're about to discover that being marked by God is much better than being marketed by man, that all the promises are in God. I said, so you're going to go into your rooms and you're going to learn how to pray and you're going to learn how to see God breakthrough. And I said, And when we come out of this lockdown period, I'm believing God that during a lockdown, when it would seem impossible to see people, women and children and men rescued, when it would seem impossible to see traffickers prosecuted and sentenced and imprisoned, I said, I'm believing God that we're going to see double. This is in, in March 2020. I said, because the same God's with us now that is with us when we're not in a lockdown. So I'm believing for double the rescues. I'm believing for double the convictions. I'm believing for double the partners. And as I live and breathe by the grace of God, I'm here in October 2022 by the grace of God during some of the most catastrophic, unstable times on the planet. We have never had more victims rescued in the history of A21, never seen more people away or reaching more people in the same way that this ministry has exploded. You can be seated and I'm going to wrap up because we're prisoners of hope. Not because we're awesome, but because God's awesome. Because when you know your source and you know what your source of hope is, when all your circumstances don't align, you don't crumble and you don't drift because Jesus is this hope we have. So let me read this over you, Elevation. Philippians 3.13. It's time, Elevation, to start forgetting, to start straining, and to start pressing, it's time. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, Paul writes, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So what we need to do is to be a church that says, you know what? I'm not staying stuck. Whatever has happened in my life, yes, I know there have been challenges. Yes, I know there's been trauma. Yes, I know there has been bitterness and there's been unforgiveness. And yes, I know there's been offences and I've been disappointed and I've been discouraged and I've been disillusioned. I understand, but it's time that I forget. That doesn't mean that I pretend it didn't happen. I'm not diminishing that at all. The blood of Jesus doesn't give you amnesia, but it does give you a life beyond your past. It gives you a life. You don't, your history does not need to define your destiny. You say, I'm forgetting those things that lie behind, both the good and the bad. And I'm straining. Oh, I haven't strained for a while because I've been eating my Cheerios in my bed, but I'm going to start to get a little bit uncomfortable now. And I'm going to start to strain. I'm going to start to exert a force and I'm going to press. We're going to press on to what it is that God has. I'm going to exert a steady force against apathy, against indifference, against comfort, against offence or bitterness or disappointment or disillusionment. And I determine that I am going to lay a hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me. I might be small, but my God is big. I might be limited, but my God is limitless. I might be finite, but my God is infinite. And I am able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything that we could ever ask, hope or thing according to that power that works in us. Elevation Church, remember Lot's wife. Don't look back, press on forward in Jesus' Name. Amen. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. You can also help us reach others by investing today at elevationchurch.org slash give. And thanks again for joining us on the Elevation Podcast.